Oh yeah, welcome back everybody, episode two, episode two of The, the Manufacturers Club. Welcome back to the clubhouse, the digital campfire. We are your hosts. Zaheen, hello. Carl, hello folks. And I'm Sean, and we are continuing on with our exploration of the Iron Man armor in episode one which you can always go back and listen to if you haven't already, because I think it'll give you a lot of important context for this episode. We're going to go from episodes one discussion of stakeholders for project management and business analysis, why stakeholders are important, who they are, what they represent. Now we're going to take the step forward from knowing who's involved, knowing who the stakeholders are, Let's define our project scope. Let's talk about what we're actually going to do. In season one, right this season, we're, we're discussing the Iron Man armor. So in season one, we talked about stakeholder Tony Stark, Ho Yinsen, and also Obadiah Stane becoming an important stakeholder. We even, we even looked at Wong Chu, who we're going to talk a lot more about in this episode. But we, we brought up Wong Chu as a potential stakeholder, and we had... Some agreement, some disagreement about whether or not we should conclude Wang Chu. And again, if you are interested in taking any umbrage with us digitally, uh, please go to our Patreon channel, subscribe, get on the message boards. Tell us why you think Wang Chu should be a stakeholder or should not be a stakeholder. So we, we know Tony is the main stakeholder. We know that Ho Yinsen, vital stakeholder. Obadiah, pretty important later on. Wang Chu, again, yes or no. But with those parties in place, how do we get into the situation when we have to build something? And in the context of the Iron Man armor, it's a very specific situation. What we have in our real lives, Zaheen is a project manager, business analyst, scrum master. Carl, I, Carl, do you do scrums? Nah, not officially. Okay. <laughs> I would also know it. I'm more of a product owner as opposed to a scrum master. I would oh. just, you know, important distinction. I I defeated you by calling you a scrum master. I, I My I, energy has deflated. I, yes, it's true. I, <laughs> I can't believe you do this to me. I did not give Zaheen the proper credit and shame on me. No offense to scrum masters. Yeah. You're very and, important. Um, and that's something else that we can, you know, get into on the message boards. You don't know this, but, you know, in her backlog, she may have just slotted you towards the bottom. That's exactly what and, uh, fortunately, Never I've, to be refined. I've, I've got five more episodes this season in which to resurrect myself. So <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be my charge uh, as we go through the rest of this. So let's set that context for Iron Man. And as we discussed in episode one, and as you know, those of you who are comic book heads are going to be quick to point out, we really have two different contexts for Iron Man. Again, very similar, almost exactly the same, but with some distinctions that are very important in helping determine our, our project and how we proceed. So we start with the inciting action, so to speak, which is Tales of Suspense, number 39, published in 1963, which might surprise some of you who aren't comic book fans that as important a character as Iron Man is now, he did not actually start out in a comic book called Iron Man. And this was a very common practice back then that um, new characters, you know, before they were established and, and proven to be popular, they sort of got introduced in these anthology series types of things. So that's where we start with Iron Man. And the original concept that Stan Lee, you may also know him as Stanley Lieber before he anglicized his name, 
his concept was kind of a, a Howard Hughes sort of character. And what I mean by that is industrialist, rakish playboy kind of guy who's also extremely bright, you know, probably the smartest person in any room that he goes into and wanted to put him in a certain kind of jeopardy to say, this guy who has everything, he's got the smarts, he's got the the company, he's got the, the, the money, he's got the women, you know, anything he wants, it's at his fingertips. Let me put him in jeopardy. Let me put him in peril and see what we can explore with that character. So in Tales of Suspense, number 39, as we discussed in episode one, 12 cents. Cheap, but also maybe expensive depending on inflation. We just don't know. Yeah, then, and we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that on a fact check uh, on, our, <laughs> on our Patreon channel. So Tony, in the introduction, his parents have passed away. He's, he's the the CEO, although I don't know if they actually used the term CEO back in 1963, but he's the guy running Stark Industries, taking it over from his father, and he's working with the U.S. military, who uh, at you know as early as I think 1952 were involved in Vietnam, but by 1963 heavily involved, you know, not not as deeply as they would get involved, but. Tony's working with the U.S. military, helping develop technology for the advancement of the war effort in Vietnam. And that's an important note, is that in 1963, it's Vietnam. When we talk about Iron Man the movie in 2008, it's Afghanistan. And what's obviously the thing that joins both those things together? War. American imperialism. <laughs> and... Also important for the context of developing our scope in this particular instance, it's a war of unnecessary aggression that, you know, may, maybe not well understood at the time, but in retrospect is, you know, not something that uh, the plurality of Americans would have endorsed, you know, looking backward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important context. And Carl, I'm going to ask you what you think. And Zahina, I want to know what you think as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's important context because if you're taking a wealthy industrialist, you know, icon like Tony Stark is in the books and in the movie at the time that we're introduced to him, putting that person in a war zone, first of all, seems <laughs> grossly unnecessary on its own, yep. but even more unnecessary in wars of adventure, so to speak, such as American involvement in Vietnam in the early 60s and involve, American involvement in Afghanistan toward the later part of the 2000s. Mm -hmm. Carl, speak your truth. So this is all fascinating, too, because I didn't know about the origin with Tony Stark with the Vietnam War, right? So when I had been introduced to Tony Stark, knew he was rich, Iron Man, and then when I saw the movie, yes, definitely the Afghanistan connection, but I didn't know about the Vietnam one. So that's interesting to see the parallels and the differences. And so I think from a, from a setting of the problem, it's interesting, right? Because in the way I see it, there's two, there's two problems being solved here, right? So the first one is, yes, like Tony Stark in both situations has to get out, right? But then, so that's the, that's the more present one, right? That's the physical one. That's the visceral one. But I also think there's that second deeper layer one that could be at play for like machination, machinations down the road, right? Which is like, oh, I'm here. If I can escape, great. But I'm in this conflict. 
that other people are in who are not so lucky. So, so what am I doing here? Right. So I find for I those fi- of you listening at home, I just touched my nose and pointed at Carl because he hit it on the nose. Right. Like I'm interested by that. Right. Just because if he were, because if you had placed him in any other conflict where like you had general like you know public approval, then of course he still wants to escape. But I'm just thinking for motivations and stuff down the road, it'd be a different tale. Are you referring to like? American public motivate, like, yes. make, like justifying his actions. Yes. To the okay, yeah, because I think that was, um, especially the note of in the '60s, it was Vietnam. In 2008, it was Afghanistan. I think it speaks to not just Marvel, but media and content in general being not quite propaganda, but. Mm, you know, kind of propaganda for the wars, for the actions that governments like to do. So, for instance, here we see this from the perspective of, okay, yeah, Tony is what all of us want to be. We all want to be rich and brilliant and infinitely capable of everything we want. But, oh, no, the bad guys took him in. How is he going to get out? So I think, you know, in that context, it sort of makes a lot of sense to sort of define him as the hero and make him sympathetic and have him be like, how can I get people on board with me, right? I think that sort of makes sense to those sort of motivations. Um, Yeah, I think that's what I think. (laughs) Those are my thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Thus spoke Zaheen. (laughs) Okay, so outside of the the location, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of other factors involved. So I think we want to start talking about, again, aside from location, what are those other things that affect how Tony in those look in those two locations, Vietnam and Afghanistan, how would he go about figuring out what he needs to do? Mm-hmm. And we will also, for those of you anticipating the conversation, episode three is going to be all about requirements. <laughs> like what are the requirements Tony needs to satisfy to put this armor together? What is he trying to accomplish? Well, okay. question for you yes. to even, even before that, right? Like you mentioned his origins, there are parallels between his origin story and I think you said Tales of Suspense, right? Was that it, right? And then the movie. So him getting injured, is that the same in both of them or is it different? That's that's more that foreshadowing that you're really, really good at, Carl. So (laughs) hold that thought. We're creepy music. (laughs) (laughs) We are gonna we are definitely gonna dig into the the ways that Tony gets injured and how they affect this, the context and the way you go about defining your project scope. Bingo. That, that does tie into what I was introducing, though, that what are those other factors? So there's how does the problem arise? Mm-hmm. How, how does Tony arrive in the situation? So he, he's in country, um, in the the books he's there for one reason. Again, we'll get into this in a little more detail later. But in the movies, it's for a slightly different reason. But, you know, it's, it's because of his work with the American military. And he falls victim to an armed assault of one kind or another. Um, Again, slightly different versions, and they affect how we define the problem. But ultimately, there's this inciting action that Tony gets hurt. And that's, and he's in this inhospitable place. He's in a country that 
you know, he probably shouldn't be in. So aside from just the jungles of Vietnam or the uh, high desert steppe of Afghanistan and the mountains, you know, the, just the terrain being inhospitable, the people aren't taking very kindly to a wealthy American, you know, like uh, Tom Hanks and volunteers coming off the plane, flashing his money going, that's right. Rich American, <laughs> you know, Tony's kind of uh, uh, exemplifying that stereotype. Yeah. Um, so he's in an inhospitable place terrain wise, inhospitable place culturally, and he's hurt and he's got to come up with a way to survive. That's the fundamental problem that needs to be solved, sort of what you were alluding to, which is why I said good foreshadowing. Tony needs to live. So let's talk about the two different ways that he gets into that situation where mm -hmm. he's hurt, he's in an inhospitable place, and he's got to survive. So let's pause there. Let's take a breath. For those of you at home, get a drink. You know, smoke them if you got them, and we'll be right back. <laughs> hey, Manufactioners, do you like what you're hearing? Want to join the Manufactioners Club and go deeper into the development life cycle of the Iron Man armor? Maybe you want to tell us why Wang Chu is a stakeholder or even add some requirements to the MVP. Join us in the Manufactioners Club on Patreon to get access to our videos, our discussion group, even bonus episodes and behind the scenes content you won't find anywhere else. Follow us on social media, too, for news and updates about upcoming seasons. All links are in the description for this episode. I'll catch you around the digital campfire, and welcome to the Manufactioners Club. Okay, now that we have established Tony's general predicament, let's get into the specifics of both of those versions and how they affect the project of, of building the Iron Man armor. Tales of Suspense, 1963. Again, we talked about you know that Vietnam was was topical at the time. If they had set the 2008 movie in Vietnam, we probably aren't here today discussing the Iron, Iron Man armor because the MCU probably would never have grown into what it is, and we would not have had this idea to have this podcast. So, thank you, John Favreau and Kevin Feige, for figuring out. We need to do this in a modern version in 2008 in Afghanistan instead of in <laughs> Vietnam. And that's one thing about us. We we will give credit where credit is due. Yes, very much We're so. We're good people like that. Yeah. Um, I still can't believe that the Marvel people have not put out a t-shirt that says, in Feige, we trust. And for those, for those of you who don't know, Kevin Feige is the producer of all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe output and at the time, I think 2017, he or 2018, he became the head of Marvel Television as well. Mm -hmm. So all of the Marvel Television stuff that preceded Disney Plus was under somebody else. It's now all under Kevin Feige. So he is sort of the master puppeteer of the Marvel Universe. And I think it's rightfully so, gets the, the lion's share of the credit for having the vision to create the MCU that we know today. It's a 20-year roadmap. That's what the man's responsible for, right? Yeah. And he's doing it. Um, and, you know, something that had never, literally had never been done before. Okay, so going back to 1963 in Vietnam, Tony is there with the U.S. military. In the book, it's not specified what exactly the mission is, but he's in country. He's with the U.S. military in the jungle, 
weird because hmm. if I was Tony, you know, unless I you know felt like I had to prove something to dudes in uniform that I'm masculine too, I'd be like, guys, I'm going to be back at the hotel sipping martinis, rapping to the ladies, and you know doing my thing. You go be cool, sweat it out in the jungle. I'll be here. That's a really good point because everything I know about Tony Stark's personality speaks to that, where he would just be like. Yeah, if you need me, I'll be over here. I'll be doing like the intellectual things. I'm going to go talk to the hotties and, uh, you know, you come you come back, come see me when you need me, that kind of situation. Huh, I never even thought about that. And and it also, I think, speaks a little bit to the different representation of the American capitalist in 1963 as opposed to 2008. Where in 1963, he's patriotic, he's mm -hmm. gung-ho, he's there with the people he's building the technology for to yep. support their war effort in Vietnam. I mean, he does, we'll get into this more with the 2008 movie, but, you know, he's also in country there with the military, but for a little bit different reason, mm -hmm. he's, he's selling something yes. at that okay, point. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yes, the idea that the this wealthy beyond any measurement industrialist would actually be boots on the ground in Vietnam with the boys in uniform. Yeah. It's a little absurd. Yeah, <laughs> well, I agree. It is, it is strange. Yes, yes. But maybe this actually goes back to him being like, oh, I need to be more likable and more relatable. Like, like uh, I think Carl, you were saying, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, look, you know, I'm one of the guys I can, I can hang to, even though I'm fabulously wealthy and I can have whatever I want. And they, chill. They, yep. they do, um, you know, another one of the contrasts between comic book Tony Stark and movie Tony Stark is movie Tony Stark really leans into, and I think Robert Downey Jr. and, and John Favreau, Favreau being the director of the movie, I think they both use this terminology in interviews, likable asshole. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. Yep. For, they really lean into the likable asshole mm -hmm. part of Tony, whereas mm -hmm. in the comic books, it's more... He's the guy every every guy wants to be. He's yep. the man every woman mm. wants to be with kind mm -hmm. of character, but less 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 of a dick. Yep. Okay. Okay. Or or, or certainly not uh, in, er, in early days expressing that part of himself. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. Okay. Um, so he's he's in Vietnam. Trips a booby trap set by Viet Cong. I'm looking for a name. Oh, go back to episode one. Oh, Long yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Zaheen gets the no prize. Um, <laughs> no prize was something the, that Stan Lee developed um, conceptually to respond to readers, the, the, oh. the, the pedantic nerds <laughs> that, that we love. So you, are you saying that Stan Lee was the first recorded troll? Is that what you're saying? Well, I think, I think he was responding to all the trolls okay. and writing letters to the editor and saying, uh, you know, I noticed in, in panel two on page five that it was cerulean blue that you used for the costume, whereas on page six, it was more of a cobalt. Yeah. Um, so Stan Lee would give out a no prize in those situations, and Zaheen claims the first no prize of the Manufacturers Club. Congratulations. You know what? I'm honored. Um, I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank Sean and Carl without whom I would never be able to, I wouldn't have, I would have never gotten here. And, and uh, which maybe your family, God, anybody else? No. Okay. Done. No. <laughs> no. She's like, done. There's a, there's no one else I can credit with that. So. She is a woman who stands on her own and that's what I really <laughs> like about her. What they call independent. Yes. Kind of like that uh, Destiny's Child song. Exactly all, like that. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's what exactly. I was about to start singing it. And I was exactly like, oh, you know. this, is, this is why we're in the room together. This is it. Mm -hmm. this is it. We get it. 
Um, So Tony trips the Wong Chu devised booby trap. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, explodes a mine, which delivers shrapnel. uh, You know, and this is another interesting point. It only gets the shrapnel into his chest. They don't really show that it goes anywhere else, which is extraordinarily well-directed. Which gives Homing credit shrapnel. to the story. Homing shrapnel. Which gives credit to Wang Chu's genius. Apparently, he, he made directional shrapnel. Exactly. That's, <laughs> wow. What a genius. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, you know, in episode one, we, we sort of put Wang Chu a little bit... Uh, what's the term from Dirty Dancing? Nobody puts baby in a closet. We put Wang Chu in a closet a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I, I did. I did. And it's, I was it's like, me. and I was like, my guy, I think we. Got it's, it's it's not it's not a it's not we. It's me. I'll I'll, I'll fall on that sword. <laughs> okay. Um. So anyway, Wang Chu's brilliant mind with its homing shrapnel mm-hmm. um, lodges its shrapnel in Tony's chest, and this is another interesting thing. It's in both the comic book and the movie. Is the shrapnel's working its way toward his heart? So it moves on its own it, as well. It's, it's burrowing yes. shrapnel. Yeah, yes. It's, yeah. Yes. It's, it's not just homing; it tunnels as well. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, that's a that's that's wild. <laughs> I have nothing. I have nothing to it say is. other than that's that's wild. It is. It and, is. And to think, in the comic books, Wang Chu mostly spent his time wrestling people. That was his. That was his thing. He was a big dude, and he wrestled people. It, it, that's untapped potential. Did, did but he moonlighted his... as a career, <laughs> of like as a as a uh, military technologist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tony got this shrapnel burrowing its way toward his heart, and. Fortunately for Tony, like we talked about in episode one, it just so happens, crazy coincidence, Wang Chu's manservant is none other than Ho Yin-sen, got that finally, who, as luck would have it, is a Nobel Prize winning physicist who builds a electromagnet for Tony's chest that prevents the shrapnel from advancing further to his heart, keeping Tony alive. Of course. What's that called? Isn't isn't something like that called a like a I don't know how to pronounce it, Deus ex the good ma- the ma- Deus ex machina? machina? Yes, yes. Exactly. Yes. Machina. Or de- Deus ex machina. I think deus. yeah Deus ex oh, machina. It's, God, it's true. God, it is it is Latin. Yes. God in the machine. Deus. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. you know what what we in a modern context might call a plot device. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> Very contrived. Ho Yin Sen really exists just to keep Tony alive in, mm-hmm. in Tales of Suspense number thirty nine and become a second set of hands to build the Iron Man armor, which we will divulge into further in episode four and five. So Tony's kept alive by this electromagnet in his chest, but it's it's a temporary solution got to come up with something more permanent. So in the interim, Wang Chu is told, oh, by the way, that Anglo guy that we picked up in the jungle, you know, and took no other prisoners, just him. Weird. Guess everyone else, all the soldiers got killed. Maybe he wasn't that confident in his shrapnel, that his shrapnel would actually get to his heart. Maybe he suffered some self-confidence issues. and, And we all do from time to time. Maybe he needed to talk about it with someone. Oh, and then now we're really expanding the character of Wong Chu. <laughs> Why don't we just made Wong Chu a little emo? <laughs> he just needed a friend. He just wanted a hug. Sometimes I'm Why just not secure in my status as a warlord. <laughs> you know, I wake up in the morning, I put my pajamas on just like everybody else, but I have to command this army. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Just, oh, Imagine no. the burden. Imagine the burden. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say. And in the multiverse of us, there are variants of each one of us that are warlords. 
Oh, geez, that's terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think I'd make a very good warlord. Yeah. Uh, so, soak in that bath for a few yeah, minutes. That would woof. That'd be a rough one. <laughs> so leaving aside Wang Chu's emotional needs for the time being, Tony needs a more permanent solution to this, this issue. So he and Ho Yin Sen, again, it's, it's helpful when you're trying to build technology that you've got a nuclear physicist whose ego is such that, oh, you just need my help? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. And we did crucial. talk about in episode one that I, I, my opinion is Ho was always thinking he's getting out of this situation. Yep. So he's he's like, yes, I will help you, and I will. It's it's almost like that Sung Su, you know, art of war sort uh, of approach where I'm going to let you think you're in charge, mm -hmm. but I'm actually going to get out of here on my own yep. with your help. Mm -hmm. You'll get out with my help, but I'm going to get out with your help as well. And how wrong he was. Well, let's let's save the sad tale for Ho Yin Sen for a couple minutes because um, we already did the spoiler alert on, in episode one. Wee woo wee woo. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do <it> again. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, guys. I'll get I'll get better at uh, no, doing I, it before the spoiler. Personally, personally, I love that the that the alarm comes afterwards. <laughs> retrospective, love, spoiler. retrospective spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> We don't want to do things the same way everyone else has been doing it for years, do we? That's a good point. We are unique. We're individuals. We're blazing a path. <laughs> blazing a path that leads to spoiler alerts coming after the spoiler has already been delivered. Hey, no different than people on the BQE or the Belt Parkway who put on their turn signal after they cut in front of you. Those are not the only places that happen. That's true, but... <laughs> I can't even make a joke about that. That just got my blood boiling. Yeah, there Oof. it is. It's too real. It's too real. It's I'll too take real, it back. Real. I'll take it back. And for anyone that didn't think road rage could happen <laughs> in a podcast studio, it you just, just saw it. Just happened. It just happened. <laughs> just happened. I'm calming myself down still. I'm doing my breathing exercises. Give me a second. Wusa, wusa, wusa. All right. We have Vietnam Tony Stark covered. Yep. Mm. And it's the same basic template for the movie in 2008. But let's, let's again, let's hydrate. Let's, let's, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what's different and get into a little bit of how those differences mm -hmm. play out in determining what Tony's needs are. Yep. Perfect. Right back. Manufacturers Club. For a limited time only, get your choice of a free, very stylish Manufacturers Club logoed t-shirt or tote bag. Tell us your size, because we don't know. Limited time only. Free with a subscription to our Patreon channel. Subscribe to the Manufacturers Club. It's delicious. All right, we're back, back from our break, back from discussing our travails on the major New York City highways mm -hmm. uh, and lack of turn signals. That's true. 2008, mm -hmm. the important contextual update, we're now in Afghanistan. Yep, that's big. And Tony is now not there as a patriotic you know, supporter of U.S. involvement in Afghanistan. He's there purely as a profiteer, purely to sell his, you know, cutting edge technology, the Jericho missile. A Lockheed Martin sort. Uh, and that you haven't seen yes. the movie. I swear to God, people, this this, this is part of Zaheen's genius, which is yes. multifaceted and multi-level. But they the... Stark Industries logo on the missiles is very much inspired by Lockheed Martin. Yes, it is. That's mm. a fact. Like even that like shh thing, like that's yes. That's so funny. Yes. I wonder if that's yeah. a veiled 
reference. Oh, it's not veiled. I don't at think all. it's veiled at all. <laughs> overt think, reference. There it is. I think it's more like overt. Yes, <laughs> that, that is like everyone at the pride parade. It is out and it's, proud. It's it's and you yes know what? yes. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. Living their truth. So Tony's there to sell the Jericho missile, both to the U.S. as well as to their complicit Afghan compatriots, so to speak. So you've, you know, you've definitely got the representation on the other side of Raza and the Ten Rings who eventually take Tony hostage, mm-hmm. replacing Wang Chu, but you also have the complicit Afghan generals who are working with the U.S. military who are potentially going to be using this Jericho missile. And the other interesting twist is Tony doesn't get injured by a booby trap set by the enemy. Tony actually gets injured, or sorry, he does get injured in a booby trap set by the enemy, but he's not um, tripping over it himself the way he does in the comics. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, context of Afghanistan in 2007, 2008. They drive over a landmine as part of a Mm -hmm. convoy. But again, why is Tony in an RV, a Humvee rather, sorry, Mm -hmm. that'd be a very different movie. Very true, very true, very true. Why is Tony in a Humvee in the Afghan desert? It doesn't make any sense. This one makes less sense to me, especially because in the movie, he really is characterized, like you said, as a likable asshole. That is not the person that you expect out and about riding around in the desert. So the only thing I think about that that makes a little bit more sense with the 2008 version was just because, yeah, like he was there for pure sales pitch. Mm. That was it. Like purely sales pitch. He was out there, right? So he was out there. He was trying to sell the generals. This is my thing. And so for that one, I think that makes sense just because it's like he got there somehow, right? Like somehow this man got to the site to sell the product. So he's like trying to wine and dine them, but in a war sense. Precisely, right? Wine and dine, but like in private. You know what was missing? Yeah. No PowerPoint presentation. Oh, trust me. What kind of professional is this man? You know what? You know what? Not a professional. Thank you. You need a deck if you're you're going to... You know, try and pitch something. You know what he Thank did? You. He just took, gets it. He mm. just took the animations tab and then actually <laughs> this is two thousand eight, so I don't even know if Microsoft PowerPoint <laughs> you, had the two the animations tab just, yet, right? It's oh. just it's just why I think you should buy this Basically. with the little animation of the title bouncing into the slide. And, and lots of corner wipes. Exactly. I love those corner wipes. <laughs> I use them a lot in middle school. <laughs> Tell us how you feel when your eyeballs flare it open with the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, you're right. He didn't need PowerPoint. You know, he probably, like, we can't. Yeah, I forget. I'm assuming, like, 2008, they, like, Office hadn't redone their entire UI, so you had the tabs anymore. Wait, so, wait, like, it didn't have Clippy anymore. Didn't have Clippy. Well, that's that's another, that's another season right there. There's, Rip Clippy. People got feelings about Clippy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting emotional. People got feelings about Clippy, right? I miss Clippy. And so he didn't have the PowerPoint presentation. He's out there. He tried to sell it. And, like, as a matter of fact, too, like, at some point after, like, the presentation with the missiles, like, there's a shot of him, like, one of his cases opens up and he has, like, a drink for himself, right? So that, that, That's a deep cut reference to the Demon in a Bottle exactly. series of Iron Man in the 70s. he was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, if you He's lost your parents at a young age and had to deal with the stress of shrapnel eating its way to your heart all the time, you drink too. So that was a thing. Oh, no, I get it. It's just... 
He's not perfect. And for the kids in the audience, that's it, not a that's a joke. Yeah, we, we don't we don't want to encourage drinking. Kids, then, please don't. Yeah, please don't. It's en- bad. Enjoy a drink socially with your friends. Yeah, you know, toast toast the want. good times with family. But um, yeah, don't don't use liquor to solve your problems. Yep. it's not a coping mechanism. Un- unlike what Homer Simpson said, alcohol is not the cause of and solution, solution to, to all of life's problems. problems. <laughs> Very true. And so then he was in the RV, like the way I viewed it, he was in the RV basically. Oh yes, Humvee, thank you. See how how I planted that seed? Fact checker, that's true, right? (laughs) So he was in the Humvee, right? I assume like he was in the Humvee on the way back to either base or something. So 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 that part made sense to me in terms of him being there. Yeah, when you're talking about the Tales of Suspense, with him being in the jungle as part of his origin story, I thought, whoa. I was thinking the same thing like you. It's like, yeah. this is completely different. What are you doing there? What are you doing there? This... But No, the way the way you say it, actually, the whole, um, you know, I'm a salesman. I'm going to sell this to the people there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense, actually. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I retract my statement. Oh. <laughs> you've, changed, you've changed my mind. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's one to grow on. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, and I... And, uh, Again, I just love the way you guys brought it back, which is how that affects the situation that Tony's in. Mm-hmm. Because in 2008, you know, he's chosen, not, not only has he chosen to be there, but he's doing it for extremely selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. And in the context of defining the project scope, which is what we're here to talk about in episode two, mm-hmm. that I think is a fundamental difference in that. In the comics and in the movie, he's trying to survive. But in the movie, and you know, this is because it's it's trying to take the entire arc of Tony St- arc. St- I see what you did there. See what I did there. I see what you did there. Um, oh, yes. And and trying to give you a full narrative, whereas Tales of Suspense is just saying, "Hey, look at this new character we came up with. Do you mm. like him?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but in the movie, he's got to make this hero's journey from likable asshole who does dastardly things and and really is only concerned about himself into a guy who realizes I'm killing people with the stuff that I make. Mm -hmm. And once I get out of here and get back home to Malibu and my bomb ass mansion, which again, I just watched the movie again last night. I mentioned this. It's phenomenal. I'm going to use Zaheen's word. Sick. Yeah. You have, have you... You haven't yeah. seen Iron Man one, have you? No. Yeah, the man's nuts. It's crazy. It's crazy. You might even say bananas. It is bananas. Anyway. Is this shit bananas? B a n a n a s. B a n a n a s. That is how bananas it is. Yes. All right. Noted. Didn't know we were going to do a spelling. Gwen Stefani wouldn't. She would be like awestruck. She wouldn't even spell bananas. That's how. She probably would forget how. She'd be like, ah, I stopped that B. Like that's like that's how crazy it is. Can't even sound it out. Can't even stop. She's like, I quit. <laughs> I, I, I'm feeling another T-shirt. I stopped it. <laughs> um, but that's that again. That's an important part of Tony's yep. journey in in the movie. Is he understands that he has been causing nothing but pain and suffering and death mm-hmm. by being the way he's been and not thinking about the the way his technologies were used. So that when he gets home, he's like, I'm out of the, the arms business. Suck it, Obadiah. You know, we're, we're not doing that anymore. But then question for you, and this may be out of order, right? But in your take, do you believe he had that realization 
during his time in the cave when he was focusing on escaping or it was like, oh shoot, I have one goal. My my project scope is to get the f- out, right? And then after he succeeds, then he's like, now that I've succeed now that I've survived and accomplished, oh snap. Like, do you think both happen simultaneously or not? Well, Carl, I'm going to probably become a broken record and say I want to thank you for setting that up because that's a way to bring in our our forgotten other stakeholder who's there with Tony in Afghanistan and that is Yinsen. Yes. Oh, Yinsen. But he's not Ho Yinsen anymore. Exactly. Now he's not a he's ho just... anymore. <laughs> I actually wrote that in my notes. Yeah, that's, yes, that's, oh, that's, that's actually that's actually exactly why I said it. I read said. it and I was like, I am not I letting cra- that one I not get up, recorded. I saw that and I said, yeah. They took Yin Sen off the stroll yep. and, and put him in the cave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the ho stroll. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so he's no longer ho Yin Sen. He's just Yin Sen. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now. Actually, is he still Asian? He's no longer Vietnamese yeah. or or what we would, might refer to as Southeast Asian. Exactly. Now he's more Afghan Arab. Okay, so he so he is like Middle Eastern. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Interesting choice to keep the name yeah. when you don't. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Which, which I think that's just for the comic nerds. Yeah, yeah, that's sure. Just, yeah, exactly. Like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. This is the same role where we just change it a little bit, but it's really the mm-hmm. same same mm-hmm. guy. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, but in this case. He's not a Nobel Prize winning nope. physicist. Nope. So this is going to make Tony work a little bit harder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But to go back to what you were saying, Carl, Yinsen, I think almost word for word, tells him, well, look, this is what your products do. Yes, he did. Yep. They, they kill people. Mm-hmm. You know, So he's really the one that, that sort of sets Tony on the, the path of righteousness, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And gets Tony to realize I need to change this, not only because of my own, you know, near death and incapacitation as a result of my technology, but oh, that's right. The things that I make that are in designed to be used by militaries are being used by militaries, which mm. kill people. Yeah. <laughs> um whoops. And the other parallel um, is now, as I mentioned earlier, Wang Chu is replaced by Raza, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who is a member of the Ten Rings. And the Ten Rings is a whole other mythology. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, but I was like, this feels like it's its own thing, and I'm just going like, to let that one go. Well, no, like, which question? You mean, like, what feels like its own thing? The Ten Rings. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, quick context um, for Zaheen and those of you who are not as deeply steeped in the lore as Carl and I are. The Ten Rings is a terrorist organization that was run um, in the Iron Man comics. So this is a major Iron Man villain uh, by the Mandarin, which is also a obnoxiously racist Feels like uh, it. interpretation. Yeah, he had the so. Fu Manchu mustache. Yep, very oh, much goodness. So. Like, yes. you know, it's bad. Yeah, it, it, it's almost... I forget the the actor's name, but the guy that played the uh, original Her- Hercule Poirot ah. uh, in the movie is playing Charlie Chan. So he's a what, an English actor playing Charlie Chan, who's supposed to be a Chinese detective, and just like what again, what what at the time was not well understood to be aggressively racist, but in in our modern understanding is. Aggressively racist. It's not great. Um, so the Ten Rings is run by this aggressively racist caricature trope mm. of you know devious Asian man um, 
But Raza in the movie Iron Man is the sort of local representative mm-hmm. of the Ten Rings and is the ah. Afghan warlord that's fighting against U.S. imperialism. Oh. And he is, I think his motivations, while the same as Wong Chu's, which, which are, oh, I have this Tony Stark who can build me a weapon that I can use against the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. He actually has the very specific Jericho weapon in mind, whereas in the comics and Tales of Suspense, Wang Chu is like, build me a weapon. And doesn't give that, this is this is part of our project scope discussion, mm. doesn't give Tony that specific that Raza does, which is Raza mm. says, I want the Jericho missile. Yep. Can I make a, can I, not make, can I have a question? Say a question, pose a question. What's, all of the above. I, I, which one is right? I don't know. <laughs> I pan- all of the above. I panicked. <laughs> ask, ask a question. <laughs> That's it. What, okay, what, what is so special about the Jericho missile that makes it so desirable? Well, I'm so glad you asked because <laughs> it, it's from a fictional technology representing real technology. It's really interesting. So then, and this is where, you know, we're going to have to, not go too far down this mm-hmm. rabbit hole, but in nuclear warfare, which thank you know God, Yahweh, whoever you want to thank, has never come to pass. Although we we may be on the brink of it, who yeah, knows? Who sure. knows? Uh, modern context. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the development of the MERV, multiple impact reentry vehicles, which meant you could put multiple warheads on a single missile and have them target different things. And that's sort of what the Jericho was in a tactical sense, which missiles are considered to be strategic, that this is a tactical missile that you could use on the battlefield. And you fire off the missile from one of those giant trucks that you would wheel it around in, and it would fire the missile and then the individual warheads, non-nuclear in this case, the individual warheads would spray out from there, basically carpet bomb your enemy's Mm. position with one missile as opposed to trying to attack it with multiple fronts of artillery. Mm. I see. Okay. Okay. I think that's important context. It is, which interestingly is not how Tony gets hurt, which I thought might have been a little more poetic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. 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 But would have deviated significantly from the the Mm -hmm. origin story. Anyway, so now that we have 1963, Tony Stark in his situation, not yet Iron Man, 2008, Tony Stark in his situation. And let's compare and contrast before we get into episode three, where we talk about requirements Mm -hmm. of how Tony would actually go about um, solving this business problem. So the core problem, Tony needs to live. He's got shrapnel eating away at his heart in Mm -hmm. both versions. In 1963, he's got this fellow scientist that he looks up to who's going to help him, you know, who, who devises the original electromagnet to keep the shrapnel from getting into his heart. In 2008, he's got another person named the same thing, but who doesn't have the same credentials, but kind of accomplishes the same thing, uses a car battery to power the, the electromagnet to keep the shrapnel from getting to Tony's heart. And he's got a warlord in both cases who says, go build me a weapon. Mm-hmm. The differences are One, in 1963, Tony Stark, he's there for patriotic purposes, which is going to affect his general approach in my mind because he's not just getting himself out of the situation and surviving. He's also saying, I want to put down 
this enemy of the U.S. when I escape. And I mm. and in the book, they actually show Tony going about humiliating Wang Chu, not just defeating him, but making him seem smaller in the eyes of the people that he controls. Mm. Whereas in 2008, Tony's there just as a salesman and is really about getting himself out until the 2008 Yin Sen says, by the way, you know, your missiles actually kill people. You, you understood that, right? And Tony has a change of heart. And so he's gets himself out, but he also understands that at some point, I'm going to have to go back and make this right, mm -hmm. which, which he does later when he builds the second version of the Iron Man armor, which we'll get into in episode yeah. six and seven, teaser. The other important difference to me is Tony has in 2008 to build software to go with his suit, because in 1963, again, we just didn't have the concept of software mm -hmm. like that. Oh. That it, you know, <laughs> Tony in 1963 is about miniaturizing transistors, whereas in 2008 we've already got microchips. So we've 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 made right. some advancements that Tony can just take advantage few. of. Just a few. So that's another part of the scope that's very different in 2008. Mm -hmm. It's got to build software. So you know what's interesting? Like in a weird, I don't even know if it's devil's advocate, but like in a weird twist, right? So, Mephisto's advocate. Oh, I see what you did there, Thank and you. I respect it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, the man ha in both cases, the man has shrapnel in his heart, mm. right? And so, slowly tunneling, slowly moving, you know, making its way like bit by bit, right? Every day, I'm eating more of Tony Stark's chest, like in a weird way. He doesn't want the notification that's like, We have arrived at your heart, right? Because <laughs> that's like, <laughs> Oh, I love the idea that the shrapnel has a status bar, <laughs> right? It's just like, It's, it's like, we it's like the Domino's progress bar, but for um, death, <laughs> yeah, it's like, We have arrived. It's like, That's not good, <laughs> like, rats. It's like, Damn, I did, I did not want this to get the delivered. One thing I didn't want to happen. And I also love the idea of Tony constantly refreshing <laughs> yeah, to see the progress of that status bar. How's it going? We're getting closer. F5, 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 F5. And so in a weird way, like what I'm wondering, we're just like, we have some weird t-shirt, like coffee mug blah ideas. Like, it's crazy right now. But um, the thing I'm wondering though, right? It's like, yes, he has the shrapnel. And so his goal is he has to survive, right? And so what's interesting is, and I know we'll talk about this in the later episodes, but it's like, okay, he has to survive, but then he is a, he is a clock. Right. So it's like and, and in both cases, the, the book and the movie, it's one week. Precisely. Right. Oh, it's like the ring. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Seven days. And mm. then that's the end of it. Right. And, and, so, I, and I think that's where um, they got the original story ideas. They went forward in time, saw the ring, returned to 1963 and said, let's incorporate that. That tracks. That tracks. That. So that then tracks. we so then we were all done a solid by him not having hair come in front of his face when no one could see him. Right. That would be bad. You can't see in a helmet with that, right? Like he'd just be. Oh man, well, that's if, a good point. If, Unless if you it's were, X-ray, right? Yeah. If you were uh, Garth Brooks' alter ego, Chris Gaines. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I was waiting for the drop. That's 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 an important part of the bonus content. They're not um, ready for it. They're not ready for well, it. We'll, unless, we'll, unless they're subscribers, then they are ready yeah. for it. <laughs> Subscribe. Um, and strongly endorse going back to that uh, <laughs> test recording that we did uh, earlier. But yeah, yeah, but so. Carl, I love that you're always that extra step ahead of us because episode three is going to be all about requirements. That's it. Now that, uh, now that we've talked about the project scope, we, we, we need to survive. Mm -hmm. Fundamental business problem Tony needs to solve is I need to live. Yep. And from that problem, 
all of the other requirements shall follow. Zaheen, any last thoughts on Iron Man Project Scope before we talk about requirements? Yeah, I just think that the differences are really interesting. And I think that we'll really need to dig into those differences as we start thinking about requirements. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to do it. Um, If I haven't said this before, she gets it. She gets it. You know what? We all get it. We all get it. Spiritually, I shed a tear. (laughs) Until I see that physical tear, I do not believe it. Okay. That's why I'm (laughs) spiritual. I, I am the title of a Clint Eastwood movie. Play Misty for me. You know what? I didn't even know about that one. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 an interesting, but you know, we'll we'll wrap up. But um, that's homework for those of you in the audience that haven't seen it, because that's an early '70s movie that's about a woman stalking a popular radio personality. What? Yeah, you know, you think mm. these things are all really, you know, if only really come into the mainstream in the '80s and '90s, but this was this goes back way, way before that. The, really? So things were funky turns before out, the internet. Turns mm. out people people were always stalking, a little a little creepy. Mm. Yeah, human beings have always been terrible to one another. That's mm. that's true throughout history. That's true. But not us three to each other. No, we're Ti- friends. Tying it back together. <laughs> And before I close, I just have to mention that when I said I am the title of a Clint Eastwood movie, I, I felt like I was Edward Norton's character in Fight Club. I see what you did there. Mm, yeah. Yep, yep. I am Jack's lack of complete other surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great way to end episode two. Yeah. Episode three, requirements. We're going to get into why is, not, not why is Tony building the Iron Man armor, but what does he need to include in the Iron yeah. Man armor to mm-hmm. solve the particular problem that he is faced with? Mm-hmm. Getting into some specifics. Yep. And I hope you'll join us. Same bat time. Same, Same bat, bat channel. channel. I see you. You see? I got it. I told time. you. Bye. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you want more behind-the-scenes content, you can subscribe to our Patreon. And if you want some updates, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks to Gotham Podcast Studios. Special thanks to Raul. And again, I'm Zaheen. I'm Carl. And I'm Sean. We are the The Manufacturers Club. Club.